This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is pine tar for breakfast. I'm Kevin Franzen, and today I have the interview of a lifetime. I got to get Brian Price, new pitching coach for your Philadelphia Phillies. On here on Pine Tower for breakfast. Look, I'm excited. Tomorrow is our first game in Lakeland, Florida against the Tigers. Yes, baseball is back, my friends. And no better way to start off than a huge acquisition during this offseason. Brian Price, right here on Pine Tower for breakfast. What up and welcome to another episode of Pine Tar for Breakfast. First one of spring training. I'm your host, Kevin Franzen. And tomorrow in Lakeland, it kicks off. Nick Pavetta on the mound for your fighting fills. And well, speaking of Nick Pavetta, why don't we talk to the guy that's gonna be coaching him? I have the pitching coach for your Philadelphia Phillies right here, Brian Price. Brian, how are you? Kevin, I enjoyed that introduction. Uh, that was that was a terrific introduction, had a lot of emphasis excitement to it hopefully i can spur on a well i the biggest thing for me is with you um you were the pitching coach of the arizona diamondbacks in 2006 made my big league debut there and i appreciate that because i had three hits the first game um i know the scouting report came from you and that was a lot of fastballs down the middle uh I got drilled once. I guess I got drilled four games in a row. But I appreciate what you did with Brandon Webb in his career because I got to face him the second day and understand what a real big league pitcher was and what a real 0 for 3 with three ground balls at third base was like. So well, I thank you. I appreciate you, you uh, only taking up four pitches in those three at-bats yeah. against Brandon for those three ground ball outs because yeah. that allowed him to pitch into the ninth inning that game. Um, no, it, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, I've been really fortunate because I have a chance to have – really talented people you know i mean it's the pitchers make the pitching coach it's not the other way around and um you mentioned brandon webb and and i've had a number of those guys that were so talented (laughs) and so fun and they really did give me an opportunity to have kind of a nice career as a pitching coach you look at guys like brandon webb and and i I know it's we could talk about the phillies but not with me i I talk everything And, and a guy like brandon webb who was one of the ultimate sinker ball pitchers that we've ever seen like just the ball move like other uh, no other. I've told this story plenty. That second game, he drilled me in my back leg. Well, it ball started on the outside part of the plate. I gave up on it, thinking like, oh yeah, it's ball, and it whack right in my back thigh. And I'm like, whoa, how is that possible? Having a guy like that, having the movement and and just reaching his like ability, right? I mean, personally, it's him. But it has to be, uh, you know, relying on someone behind him, and that—that that was you. To watch his ascension, what was that like? Well, it was great. You know, I, the, I, my timing was so good there because 
the team had really struggled, had a tough, tough year in 04, lost a lot of games. Bob Melvin came over in 05. They had, I think, one of the biggest turnarounds as far as win-loss in one season, like 25-27 game differential. Um, and then I came in there, and Brandon had um, pitched on some, some not real good teams, and so he was trying to miss the bat. He was trying to avoid contact because the team wasn't really strong defensively, and he got away from his strength. So all I had to do was go back and say, hey, look, you know, in 2003, you almost won the rookie of the year, and this is what you did, and kind of remind him of his strengths and, and what allows him to be the great pitcher uh, that he had been, and he returned to that rather quickly. Were you the one that decided that you needed to have, like, three inches of water in front of home plate when he pitched <laughs> at home? Just wondering. I think that was in place before <laughs> I got there. Uh, whoever, whoever, yeah, I'm glad you remember that because we were really good at it. Oh. Um, but you know what? You're so used it was to, like, incredible. St. Louis and, and La Russa always had some kind of a, yeah. a trick in his in, in his hat that he was going to pull out each series. I don't know. He knew the forecasts. He, he, he knew everything and how to, how to find an advantage for his club. We did a little bit of the same. Well, I the reason why I knew it was, well, I think maybe the first inning, in, like it was one of my first trips there, hit a ground ball off Brandon Webb. And I like watched it. I was like, man, I hit that good, but it went like three feet. And you look, and it was the, the, the crater it created. And then I'm running. It's like quicksand through there. I'm like, this is this is not fair. But played to his advantage. I love that. Yeah. No, you got to sometimes you, you just got to be a little bit more creative than most. And uh, he was that guy that the ball was going to was going to get to the bottom of the bat. and The ball was going to be put in play on the ground. But if you remember also, if you got that, if you could get that first bit of contact out to the grass, if you didn't hit it off the, the dirt area, the dirt circle around home plate, if you could get into the grass, it was really sh uh, short grass, hard infield. So there's really no place to go in that ballpark where it favored the pitcher other than a true sinker baller. Yeah. If you could get that ball down into that soft dirt well, in front of the plate. It's scary that he could have been even better. Like, I mean, as far as where he played, I mean, if he was in somewhere else, it was like, Oh, like if he was in San Francisco. Right. Can you imagine that? Yeah, San Francisco. You think of places like uh, Wrigley or oh. Boston where the grass was really high. Really high. And, you just and the crown. Like, oh. At that time, it's, the crown was still yeah. going. That's right. Man, I, I was playing left field in, in Wrigley, and you could only see, like, they laugh because Bonds would, you could see his, like, whole body. I would go out and play in left field, and they were like, well, we, we saw literally the top of your hat. And I was like, no way. Literally, you could see only the top of my hat. That's how big the crown was. Yeah. Can you imagine that? No, Brandon Webb there. No doubt. No doubt. And he was so, you know what, he, he pit, last game he pitched was opening day in 2009. He pitched for us. He never, never got on a big league mound again. And he, he tried for another two, three, four years after that. But uh, his shoulder was banged up and he just wasn't able to get to overcome the injury. You and I have a connection, both from the Bay Area. And then people get annoyed by that. But it's truth. I get to say where you're from. Sorry about it. Uh, and, you know, you went to Tam High, which – Mill Valley, whatever. But you go to Cal. <laughs> you guys won the Axe this year. Are you proud of that? You big? Well, yeah, I'm very proud of that. I mean, very you hate all the Stanford it's... nerds, so you hate Drew Storen because he's well, a Stanford nerd. Listen, I'm one of the, I'm one of the, the 700 million people that were at the big game when uh, when the, 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 oh, the play. Oh, yeah. You know, and with Elway and leading them back, and what was it? It was fourth and 17. He completes a pass, and they end up kicking a field goal, and they left four seconds on the clock, so they had to kick off. And I was there. I had a teammate, Gary Plummer, who was uh, mm -hmm. who was a part of that uh, team back in that 82-83 Niners year. champion. And yeah, and tremendous human. And and 
and it was just an unbelievable time to be there. And you know what? When you're an alumni, those are the things you reflect on. I mean, it, you beat now. Now you look at the football team, and if they're six and six, and they win the big game, you, and they get into a bowl game, you're pretty happy. But I'm, I'd love to see them get to the Rose Bowl or do something really big. It's crazy because, like for me, I always go back to San Jose State. We played Grambling my junior year, like in in football. The play it was the last time there was a sellout, and it was because the band was there. And, and it was the most incredible band. Oh, yeah. And the other game I remember more than anything was LaDainian Tomlinson's last regular season game was against San Jose State. They were number five in the country, TCU. And we upset them, and it was 10,000 fans. It was insane. We were all on the field. I think everyone was on the field. And the uh, the, the, the team goes to do the alma mater in the quarter to the AD, and the AD's up there with his hands over his head because they would have gotten a million dollars because – San Jose State upset them. Absolutely. They couldn't go to the BCS, and there you go. Those are my memories. So it's like all that stuff. There's some weird, you know, like a a different sport you always remember because of it. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. And, you know, in the Bay Area, we've been really lucky because for a long time, the Giants didn't win. And if you're a Bay Area guy, it depends on what what part of the Bay Area you're in. But if you're in the North Bay, South Bay, you're Giants fans. Mm -hmm. So the A's going over there, winning their three World Mm -hmm. Series in a row. Okay, that's super great. Good for you. But we're always waiting for the Giants and the 49ers and Golden State to be great. And we had some We waited a long time for Golden State. But boy, the 49ers (laughs) did, and then the Giants, and now Golden State. I mean, it's been a phenomenal run. And, um, and, and, you know, you never lose that connectivity to where you're from. See, and I I love it because you go to, you know, for us, and we moved from the Bay Area to to Philadelphia. And I I feel like it takes time for you to become a fan of someone else. I will never lose my allegiance to the Niners, to the Warriors, to the Sharks. In baseball, I feel because I play for so many teams, I'm like, yeah, I don't really – there's no – yeah, they're my team. Like, they're not. Like, the Phillies are my team. But with everyone else, I feel like you have to earn that right. It's just I, – I, that's the way I, I look at it. And I we move from the Bay, which is very passionate about Bay Area teams, to Philly, which is – there's nobody – Nobody in the world that is more passionate about their sports than Philadelphia fans. Whether people think it's a negative, it is the biggest positive because all they want you to do is win. And now you're in, like you're here, like you're involved with that. Do you you feel that already down here in spring training? Oh, it's it's the seduction of being in that opportunity, and that and I know that door swings both ways, mm-hmm. right? You're gonna you're gonna do really well, and and it's gonna be great. And if you don't do well, the expectation is always that this team should do well, and we should. We're we're spending a lot of money on a lot of outstanding players. The expectation should be that the that the manager and the coaches and the front office that we're doing everything that we can to give these guys the best opportunity to be successful. So that is a responsibility. Um, I, you know what? I, if we had a lesser team, if we were if we were in that rebuild mode, um, you just deal with it. But here there is a, 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 an expectation that's legitimate. This mm-hmm. is a really talented team. We should expect that, and we should expect the fans, and we know the fans are going to be a real fervent about this club. Was it – it's not about just Joe Girardi, you know, and, and you guys were going to be, you know, with Team USA together and do all this stuff, but was it a little bit easier knowing that Aaron Nola was here? Like you had – there's pieces, you know, when he he's offering you the job and interviewing for it. When there's guys behind it, like you're not in the space or maybe you were, I don't know. You can answer that to a rebuild team. Or did you find that like you wanted to go to an established, not an established team, but they had pieces that you could work, that you knew you could work with, that you could just, they needed the next step and you knew you could do that, help them get to there. 
Yeah, you know, for me, I was fortunate. I and, and this it, the Philadelphia job is one of two jobs I was offered, and I was down the road with another team. And of the teams that I spoke with, all of them, the, the attraction was that they all had they could all make an argument that they're going to be very competitive in 2020. The the thing that made the hugest, the biggest difference, number one, is my my five months I was with the Phillies in '09 and loved being a part of the the, the Phillies family, and then Joe Girardi being hired because. Um, you need the, I need to work for the I've worked with those types of leaders. Mm-hmm. I've worked with Dusty Baker and Bob Melvin and, 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 and Lou Pinella. And you get to the point where that's who I want to work for and who's going to have control of the clubhouse, who, who the players are going to look to uh, and see as their leader. Mm-hmm. And they're going to treat the environment like that. And that's really important now. If we were coming into a rebuild, then I would have changed my mind because I, I mean, I'm 57. I'm yep. not going to do this till I'm 70. Um, it, but to have Nola, Arietta know that they were going to go make a push to get somebody like Zach Wheeler, I think I think Zach Eflin's going to be terrific. And the makings of a good bullpen and some depth in the organization and knowing that Spencer Howard is close and Alec Baum and guys in this system that are going to come in and be real impact players for the Phillies. Um, I was excited not just for 2020 but for the years beyond. I'm not saying go through the interview process, but how much prep do you do um, – over you know the, the the first couple you know days of the organization, how deep do you get into before you go in and talk to Joe and, and you talk to Matt Clintack and everyone else? Like, what is that pro like for you? You want to make sure that you know the people, but you're not going to sit there and say that you're an expert on them, right? No, and it really I think was less than 24 hours. You know, I had heard I was actually uh, in San Diego for the second part of a, a two day interview for the Padres pitching coach job. And Joe called me and asked me if I'd be interested in yes. interviewing for the job. And I said, like, well, yeah, I would. Um, so, you know, what ended up happening, you know, is, is I was going to then do my morning interview in San Diego and fly back down. I was part of Team USA and we were practicing in the Phoenix Valley. So I had to hustle back down there and then also do uh, an interview later in the afternoon. with, And it was like a three-part interview, like part with Joe and – and Matt, and, and then you had Ned Rice, and you had, you know, you had uh, Rob Thompson was a part of it, and, and a full group of people, analytics people. And it's like, how long, you know, it, it was less than 24 hours yeah. to get to know what the, was in the system. Um, but my good fortune was I had a chance to, I was re- kind of recruiting Spencer Howard, uh, Connor Siebold, we knew Alec Baum. So I had a chance to see some of those core studs in, in the organization, and it had just enough time uh, to know what else was there that made it re- even more attractive. Spencer Howard. I mean, we're going to get into a couple of guys, but Spencer Howard, you bring up that name. I mean, you've been around plenty of guys that have, you know, the label top prospect in this. How do you curtail the that enthusiasm? You don't want to you don't want to, you know, pull back on the enthusiasm for him and and him knowing that who he is like he is someone in this game. Uh, But how do you get the most out of a young guy like that, especially early on in spring train, trying not to do don't don't do too, too much. You know, like, like Joe keeps on saying, it's not about now. Like, you're getting ready now. I want to see you later down the road. I want to see you competing. But everyone's been a young guy. You always want to compete. How do you, you know, kind of pull back a little bit on him to make sure he's not going full bore? Yeah, that that is a challenge because as much as we talk about it, when you cross the lines and you're pitching your first big league spring training game, there's there's so much more to it than any other game that they've pitched in their life up to that point. I think, however, though I do think that's a stepping stone to getting ready for that mm-hmm. first outing in Philadelphia, which is inevitable, I think, in, in the case of Spencer Howard. So um, 
I think more than anything, it's the lead in. It's what they're doing in their bullpen work, what happens when the manager comes in and walks behind you and watches you throw on the side. So we emphasize quite often is that what we really want to do is we want to do a continuation of what you were doing at home. Um, you're not going to make the team in, 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 uh, in these bullpen sessions. And be true to who you are as a pitcher. Do not try to change who you are in spring training or that first time you get up to Philadelphia because it, it's epic fail. We know that. So um, these kids are pretty mature. You know, I think that they, 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 they tend to lean on the veterans like a guy like Jake Arrieta or Nola or some of these guys. Um, and they're very helpful in that process hmm. as well. guy like Aaron Nola, a, for me, I just get enamored by the work ethic, the what he does outside of like those starts. It's like he loves to get ready for the next start, right? And, and, and people that, that do that, you just fall – like you just – your eyes go right to him. Uh, what's your experience been so far with him? And um, how does he become a, a Cy Young Award winner under your eyes? How does he become the best version of Aaron Nola in your eyes? I think first it's awareness of, of, what, he, of what he is, and I think he knows that. I, I think he would be the first to admit that he got away from utilizing his changeup. And I saw this kid coming up when I was in Cincinnati, and the difference – uh, from one year to the next, I think it was 16, he got up, I think, a little bit in 16, and then 17, he comes back with this changeup, and you're just going, how do you handle it? You got sinker, four-seamer, really good curveball, throw it for strikes at any point in time, and then all of a sudden the changeup shows up, and now he's got a swing and a miss changeup. He's hard, soft, in, out, immaculate command, and he's the full package, and I think he, he kind of got away from that mm -hmm. a bit in 2019. Uh, so the goal is to remind him how good the pitch is, he he has an inner confidence. He's not a he's not a, a brash guy. He's just such a com quiet confidence, and for him to access everything that he has at his disposal, and not get scared off of throwing a particular pitch because he gets a little bit of negative feedback yeah. every now and again. So um, he does need he needs very little from me. Truth be told, <laughs> he needs very little from me. He's a consummate pro and um, never takes the field unprepared and, and a great guy to anchor this rotation. Well, he's like one of those versions of last year and, and this is not to put the negative because this is where they went to is pitching to the hitters weakness instead of to the pitcher's strength reiterating what their strengths are is that something that you got to be like hey what are do you can you tell me what your strengths are or do you tell them what you see before that well it's all i, I like to work by asking questions mm -hmm. you know I, I i think that a lot of people when when you answer your own question it tends to stay with you more than having a guy come up hey you know what you do really well you do x mm -hmm. and y really well um and kind of you can if you bring them to the answer if they answer it themselves quite often i think it, it tends to stick with them more and they buy into it a little bit more and so um you know that, that's kind of the way that i approached it with with aaron is starting off with saying I saw the difference between 2016 and 2017, and it was a complete shutdown starting pitcher who pitched deep in the game, ate up the innings, frustrated hitters because they couldn't square them up, couldn't have any – there was very little hard contact off them. And I think that's probably the best way to work with pitchers. If you can kind of lead them to the answers or just get them start talking about their strengths and weaknesses, quite often they'll answer the questions on their own. Yeah, he's, he's, he's just special. And, like, he competes, and you're just going, man. Like, I, I, you just want a full season where every start is just lights out because he has that stuff, and I think he's going to get back on that. You get guys like Arietta back who's healthy. Um, obviously, you're, you're, you know, you've seen him at his best. 
almost everybody in baseball well, has. No hitter against us yeah. in Cincinnati. I, I, I didn't want to bring that up. I didn't. Good. I didn't want to bring that up. But you've seen him <laughs> at his best. Um, <clears throat> hearing him say, "Just feel good being healthy." Like for a pitching coach, how? Like more than anything, you know the mental side for these guys. Like more than anyone, just to hear that out of him, that's more than half the battle. That's like seventy-five percent of his the belief upstairs. You know, to go along with the arm talent. Yeah, you know, if if he, and I know he does, he knows he's healthy and he knows he's good, and that's a great combination. And he didn't come to Philadelphia to to be average, mm-hmm. and he's not average. He's outstanding and he's healthy. Um, and I think there's the onus that goes with signing a, a big contract, you know, and he wants to deliver and be a difference maker, and he works for that. He works hard for that, and I think he's going to, uh, you know, you're only as good as the length of your rotation. And can you imagine a team with Jake Arrieta possibly pitching in the three-hole, Zach Eflin That's in good. the four, and some really quality guys <laughs> competing for the five? That starts to sound like a championship-caliber starting rotation. And like I said, I mean, I think Zach Eflin, I think he's, li- he's unlimited in, in what he's going to be able to do on the mound. Um, but but it does come down to health because confidence is, is, I can, that is a player knowing that he can do the things that are within mm-hmm. his ability. And, and Jake – I think feels 100% again. I think he's going to be a guy that we can rely on to make good quality starts. I, I'm a baseball fan too, and I know that he was talking, they were talking a lot about that elbow last year. And, uh, you know, pitching when pain is it's part of the job sometimes, but to have to do it again and again and again with expecting prime results is, is unfair. Well, from the hitter's perspective, it's not about the stuff, but, like, the moment you see, a, like, a, a pitcher like kind of grimace and you're like, oh, he's not coming out, like, this is – you talked about confidence. Hitters have the confidence. Like you feed off of that, you're like, "Ooh, okay." So he's not going to be able to get there. Like I can, I can get him. So him having that that bulldog mentality instead of being like, "Oh, I can't get there." Like you know that 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 pain almost look at times. I think even goes further. Like it just like it, it keeps on adding to the whole thing. Well, I agree. I agree. I think that so much, and we talked about in kind of a pitchers meeting discussion this morning. We we're just talking about what your your what message are you sending to the opposing team, what message are you sending to the defenders and your teammates based on how you conduct yourself on the mound. And, and the hitters are looking for any advantage off pitcher. Every right? advantage. And th- so there's two things when you're hurt is number one is if you know they're hurt, so you have that mental advantage. And number two is typically you're getting more quality pitches to hit. And you used to go, boy, I, I'm going to face Arietta today. I'm going to face Nola. If they're banged up and and you're seeing over the course of the game three or four good pitches to hit over the course of that ball game, big league hitters don't miss those mm-hmm. mistakes very often. And and that leads to run production. So having these guys at 100%, and I didn't, I'm not trying to insinuate there's anything wrong with Nolan. No, 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 no. Been, but it doesn't matter who you are. It's a, di- it's a distinct disadvantage. Some guys pitch with it better. And I think that, that Jake stepped up big time, continuing to take the ball when he probably shouldn't have last year. I, I faced Zach Wheeler. Um, I watched him in his bullpen today. <laughs> I always I, I tell everyone the first time you 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 get in the box against him you could take a pitch, and that pitch will let you know nothing because it gets on you so quick because it's so effortless and it's free and easy. What has been like first like you obviously have watched him from the you know from afar on the other side of the you know the whole thing and now you're right behind him and, and watching what this guy did in in the last second halves of of the last two years. I mean that it's beyond Cy Young stuff. It's just putting it together for a full season. What 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 do you see out of him? Because it's special. It is. Um, 
I think more than anything, you know, he this is a guy that has five pitches and he commands them all. So sometimes the question is, okay, what are your best pitches and how do you utilize them in the best possible scenario? Which side of the plate is your best for right-handed hitters, left-handed hitters? Is your curveball a better option than your slider? Is your changeup better than your split? You know, is it there? There's so much at his disposal, and the seduction to that is that he executes all those pitches. And so now you've got to find kind of the right equation or sequence that doesn't put him in a position where maybe he's he's throwing the wrong pitch at the wrong time simply because he has it at his disposal. Um, and in the same respect, you don't want to take any of those weapons away mm. because they all work in the right sequence. So I, I'm, I'm amazed at him seeing him firsthand, being able to stand behind him and watch him throw in the bullpen. And just like you said, that effortless <laughs> arm action, and then the ball explodes out of the hand. It was the Sandy Koufax thing, right? You were saying, yeah. Yeah, it, throw, throw the ball as hard as you can, as easy as you can. And I don't know if there's anyone here in camp that does it better than, than Jeff. Oh, Lewis. man. Like, it just comes out. Like I told him today, uh, introduced myself. I'd met him when he got signed by the Giants. And I'm like, you know what the only difference is? Like, you look exactly the same, except you get to grow a beard now. Like, you're 18 years old, you're, like, all clean-shaven, and he started laughing. But I'm like, he just – he has the body that's never changed. He's gotten stronger, obviously, but it's like, oh, my gosh. Like, it, he doesn't – it's it's not, like, the worry of, like, I'm still growing. I'm still learning this. Like, he knows. It's now just that, that pure confidence and in, in, in having that and health. Well, the evolution of a pitcher, right? I mean, when I'm sure at, at 18 and you look at a Zach Wheeler and and you see this tall, thin kid that throws hard and you think about the evolution. And that's really what we talk about because I think there's such a chase for velocity now, right? We want velocity, we want big arms. And it's great, but it's the pitchability that allows these guys to thrive at the big league level. So you look at Zach probably at 18 or 19 years old compared to where he is here in his later 20s, and it's the power with the unbelievable finesse that he has. Who, who, that combination is deadly. And and I think he really understands pitching. You know, no one can manipulate the ball as well as, as he does on this staff with that type of command. And I, I just think the sky's the limit for him. You bring up that, and I wanted to go to Eflin, but it, like, it just – we were talking about it before, but it's just like the, the nuance of pitching – and I'm a hitter, I get it, but I listen to everyone. Like I, all the pitching coaches, you know, whether uh, it was my college pitching coach, listen to everything he said and, and just where they would, you know, what they would attack, why they would attack it, can you execute there. Um, I feel like we've gone away from that because you were talking about big arms and velocity and the spin and before all the, the nuances of the game. Is it something that you – emphasize not with only the big league pitchers but with those minor league guys that you're going to have a chance to talk to and 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 be around is like understanding you know um like you're talking about the holding the runners you know pickoffs like just fielding your position all those things play into being a big league pitcher is that something you emphasize yeah we have to hit on that you know uh, tony Larusa said it and and i bring him up again because i was uh, fortunate enough to have uh, spent a little bit of time with him when i got hired by the reds as a manager and and his whole, one of his theories was you, t- you teach to the youngest, least experienced person in your camp. And the veterans benefit from that information. So you don't ever say, hey, you know, this is a veteran group of guys. We don't really need to talk about the right way to cover first base or the proper footwork on fielding a bunt or the best grip in which to deliver that throw to your middle infielder when you've got a comebacker and you're trying to turn two in the middle. 
those are things that need to be talked about every time you practice it because somebody's going to learn something new each time you, 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 you do that. And the other thing is you hit on earlier because is, is pitching to the strength of the pitcher instead of chasing the weakness of the hitter. And that's something else mm-hmm. that we talk about is that you have to p- execute pitches you're capable of executing and practice the ones that you aren't. But don't get beat trying to beat somebody with a pitch you can't execute. It's so crazy because that, that – you know, from Tony Larusa, you bring that up. It's like for us, Steve Kerr, and and you hear about the Warrior players, and they break it down from the beginning at every you know camp. It's different than other camps, and John Wooden was all about that. Like it doesn't matter how many years you've been here, we're going to teach it from the basics, and and the veteran guys are the ones that benefit the most. Because I'm like, I, I always laugh. I'm like, how many guys you would you know be around in this game that <laughs> roll their eyes and think they but let alone they're really taking it in. They just want to show that they're, oh, I don't need to hear this. I'm, I'm too good for it. It's like it's incredible how the game goes. It really is. It's funny that you would use a basketball comparison there because you think about the old the Philadelphia 76ers, yeah. ben, Billy Cunningham, and you had Mo Cheeks, and you had – Big and, Mo and, Cheeks. Oh, oh, my God. You know, and, of course, you had the great talent of, mm-hmm. of Dr. J, but it was like – you think that's just talent that just shows up every day with that unbelievable amount of hard work and George McGinnis and that bunch. And, and, and they were just – and Bobby Jones. It was just such a good fundamental team. And baseball, I just don't – you don't want to get away from that, right? It's so much of it is power, right? Power, velocity, strikeouts, homers, et cetera. But the devil's in the details. Mm-hmm. It's, the, the, it's the detail work. It's, it's executing a, a proper bunt play. Being able to attack the zone and work ahead, it's putting the ball in play with two strikes. It's getting a bunt down. There's so many one and two run games now, you know, and you're having to beat premium bullpen pieces in order to win. So it's the fundamental stuff that it's never been more important than it is now. Even though it doesn't seem to really get much play, um, you know, the home runs are great and stuff. But to me, the, the real baseball is the ability to do the things that are required to win a ball game. It's not just homers and strikeouts. Literally playing catch. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah, it, right. it, what it ends up coming down to, and it's yeah. like people go, oh, the new – it's like you concentrate so much on the new stuff that you don't realize in front of you some of the greatest things are going on. Like the the guys that are fielding ground balls at unbelievable clips now, right? They're not – you know, A, the fields are unbelievable, but these players are put in the right spots. And when it comes to like being able to execute a ball in the hole, you know, for a shortstop, the quick release and getting it over there, I think is uncanny now. Like, it, like guys are doing it. Not it's, it's not like, well, there's, you know, Francisco Lindor or Didi Gregorius. There's every shortstop is doing that now. And it, it, it's for me, I, I get baffled by what some of these guys are doing be, because of the little things. Yeah. You know, the instinctual I, stuff. Yeah, and I think you know, baseball is a year-round sport now. For yeah. The, for the kids that play or baseball players that are getting into the big leagues and into professional baseball now, they're kind of committed. You know, you you read the bios and you don't. It used to be uh, three-year varsity starter in basketball. You know, two-year quarterback. You know, or and and played center field and hit you know four seventy-five <laughs> as a senior. And now you just see okay. Let's see. Wait, that's JT Real Muto. I don't know if you've seen his <laughs> stuff. Probably his so. it, he was he was like a two thousand yard passer with over two thousand yards rushing his senior year with like he averaged over twenty points per per game in basketball and then he had like a hundred and ten. God, I can't believe it was like 110 RBIs in his senior year. It was something ridiculous. Like, he put up these – but that's him. Right. He was literally the guy – But he was the anti, anti-specialist. anti He was probably so good 
that he could basically <laughs> say, I'm not playing baseball now. I'm going to go out for the basketball team or it's football season. Whereas some of these other kids, I think, get worried that they might lose their spot on yeah. the travel team if they don't play year round. Um, and I, I just, you know, I remember, you remember, I remember as a kid, I was a kid, Larry Boa makes us play in the hole. He does a jump throw to first base and it's on this, this week in baseball. It's like the greatest play everybody shortstop. And then I don't see it again until Jeter, right? And then Jeter's able to do this play in the hole, jump, jump, turn, throw, full carry to first base for an out. And now, and, and then you see, you know, and then, then the next generation comes up and it's like, they're working on this year round now, not yeah. just seasonally. And more and more of these guys are, are, are coming up as really special, special athletes. Zach Eflin. We saw, you know, really good Zach Eflin early, middle part, not good last year, um, ended awesome. And I, I, I think it really, you know, gave him that, that confidence to come into this year. Um, I think you, you don't never have favorites. I feel like, but it, he's one that you just fall in love with because he's, he's just a really good human being and he competes and you just, he wants it. And you come over here and you're trying to unlock, you know, even more because there's, there's more to it. The consistency part with him. What is something you emphasize with a guy like Zach Eflin? Well, you nailed it early, is pitch to your strengths. And I think that's what he did. He got into that second half. Um, I think he was trying to throw a lot of forcing fastballs, elevated fastballs, and breaking ball. He has such a good changeup. He's he coachable. Such, <laughs> unbelievably coachable, I can tell you that. But he has a great changeup, a cr terrific sinker, curveball for a strike. He's really been working hard on slider to get that put-away slider in there. But that's what a, a starting pitcher is supposed to look like. They're supposed to look like a, a three- to four-pitch guy that can command the baseball, that can throw it to both sides of the plate, that can control the running game, that has an out pitch, or, or else he wouldn't be yeah. a starter. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's why they're starters, not because they're two-pitch guys, but because they're three and four, and not just because they have them, but they command them. And then when you look at Arietta, right, he's got – Four-seamer, sinker, cutter, slider, curveball, changeup. He's a starter. Nola, fastball, curveball, changeup. There's a reason why, because they command those pitches. And I think Zach is that guy. I think mm -hmm. Zach is a guy that's going to command the baseball. He's going to continue to grow uh, in, in many different ways, but he's going to pitch to his strengths. And it's going to be that hard sinker. It's going to be that really, really good changeup. It's going to be all the detailed stuff with the breaking balls. And he commands both sides of the plate, and I think he's. I just. I do think that he's ready for a breakout season. Yeah, we're all excited for him. Look, I, I know that there's a struggle when you have competition. It's hard not to look at the the guy next to you, the guy that you're competing with, the guy that you're. You know, and and sometimes it it plays in your mind. It played a lot in mine uh, over my career. And I could never get out of it. It was always like I I, I want to worry about just what I do, but you know, certain guys do certain things. You have Vince Velasquez and Nick Pavetta. Everyone's saying, I'm not saying they are going to go up against each other, but they virtually are going up against each other for that spot. How do you put them in a spot where, you know, on the mental side, worry about you? Do you have those conversations with, with guys like that? I mean, or is it something that you feel like you want to worry about, you know, working with their mechanics or, or what they're going to be doing instead of talking to them about worrying about just what they are doing? I think that what's important in their situation is that they're focusing on getting better. I, I would, I know we could bring them both in here right now, and they would say that they have not yet achieved the best version of themselves as, as baseball players. 
Um, and so there's a full awareness of what's at stake. They're shooting, you know, Ranger Suarez is in that conversation. Mm-hmm. A conversation. That's why I didn't want to like say it was like right, just them. Right, it was but like, but wouldn't be in that conversation if these guys had had pitched better. Mm-hmm. So it's a situation that they've created by not performing. I think as well as they're capable of. And so that's partly my job is to try to get these guys to take that next step into being really not just credible, but but outstanding uh, starting pitchers in the big leagues and guys that are going to push the four guys ahead of them for, for to, to move up in the, in the rotation in these years to come, but it has to happen. And you know what? It really has to happen now, but they've both embraced a willingness to work and make subtle changes mm-hmm. to, to get better. And that's all I can ask. And then a willingness to throw the ball over the plate and let the defense work behind them. And we have a good problem. Every great <laughs> team has too much depth. Yep. And if we've got that same problem, we're going to hurt some feelings at the end of spring training when we don't define who's going to who's in the rotation, who's in the bullpen, who doesn't make the club. We're going to break some hearts. But you know it. I know it. It's a part of this game. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. 100%. And these guys should be just that much more motivated to come here and be a part of a great team. Well, Nick 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 Pavetta changes a little bit in his mechanic. Not a little bit. That's a lot. Like, short, shorten up his stroke. Is it something that he discussed with you before uh, that he did? Or he did that on his own and then just said, hey, I've been working on this to you. Is it, Was there collaboration at all with it? Well, there's been collaboration, but he was already well into mm-hmm. that change of the arm stroke. And I think he gets – I think he's very connected with some guys in, in big league baseball. And I don't know specifically who. I keep hearing Lucas Giolito, and I know he's yeah, some Yeah, Lucas and uh, shirtless uh, Noah Syndergaard. That's right. Yeah. And, and, you know, and sometimes these guys do. They talk a lot, and they talk about some of the things that have helped them through the process. And I think this is a necessary change for Nick uh, to tap into that potential. And his thing is it's not that he – he already has velocity and he has a great breaking ball. We're working on a little shorter slider getting to his change up, which he's worked really hard on, and being able to repeat, repeat the delivery to avoid the big inning, the mm-hmm. high pitch inning that's really kind of the knockout blow to a starter. And now the onus is on him to continue to work, be open to it, and then challenge himself not just physically but mentally to being able to stay strong in those moments where, where things get out of whack. Because any starter is going to go through that period in the game, almost every game, where they're, they get to that crossroads. They, they hit a guy or they give up a hit on a 3-1 fastball and they fall behind 2-0 on the next guy. And they, man, I haven't been in this situation all game. Hmm. I'm working behind. I'm in the middle of the order. It's my third time through or my fourth time through. The bullpen's going. What do I do to stay in this game? What do I do to win this game? And those are the challenges. We, I want these guys in the game late. I don't want them just thinking that five or six innings is good enough. But in order to do that, you've got to stay in it mentally and physically. And, and I think these guys are heading in the right direction. Last one. Hopefully it's a quick one, but uh, tomorrow with the game starting, uh, like is there a checklist, not about early on in spring training, but like throughout the process that you want your guys to go through as far as, man, I hope they deal with these situations. Like I hope they deal with a bases loaded, you know, nobody out early on in spring or later in spring like or before you get to the season because you want you want them to feel, feel that, right? Like feel what it – because once you get on the mound, you're going to compete. Like it's – People say, oh, you don't have the same adrenaline. Like, you get out there, you're going to have an adrenaline rush, and, and that goes. Is there is there a lot of that goes through you, or you just want to make sure, let's get healthy, let's execute our pitches more than anything, or is it, you know? Yeah, I what I like, early on, I just like to see pitch efficiency, guys throwing the ball over the plate. You know, you're going to give mm-hmm. up some hits and things of that nature. 
But it's a different animal going from, you know, throwing in the bullpen, maybe throwing a live batting practice and going in and facing big league hitters in particular. For that's the a young pitcher's guys, excuse. You know, yeah, well, that's <laughs> what we do well, right? So, so the, the point is, is that it's the evolution in spring training leading up to opening day. I want to see pitchers pitch with runners on base because the biggest pitches you make typically are from the stretch with runners on base. How do you compete with guys on base? Do you try to pitch away from contact? Do you utilize, can you find a ground ball? Can you find soft contact? Do you stay aggressive with runners on base or do you nibble? Um, it tells you a lot about a pitcher's makeup and their readiness to, to compete or their reliability to compete yeah. in those big spots. But I put a lot more of that on the younger pitchers because I think the veterans, Aaron Nola, if he has a 6 ERA in spring training, that's not what we're shooting for. But he has that luxury if he wants to really focus on his changeup or being quicker to the plate from the stretch or whatever. And if he gives up some runs along the way, it's not going to affect his status on the team or his readiness for the season. But if you're one of these young guys competing for a spot, it's a challenge. You know that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've competed for spots, mm -hmm. and you grind it down to the last day. And you're going, okay, what are, what are the coaches thinking? Well, I hit 350 in spring. That's really good. For me, it's like the box score doesn't matter to me in spring training a great deal. What matters is how guys handle themselves on the mound and the ability for us as coaches, managers, front office to paint a picture of how does that stuff work in a big league season. And uh, with, a, with a big league defense behind them, with your regular catcher behind you, with a big league umpire back there, how is this going to play? And um, I got to tell you, I, I, I love this club. <laughs> And I want to see these guys challenged in spring training so we can get a real good evaluation of what we got. Well, I love it. And I appreciate you coming on Pine Tar for breakfast. It's been, well, uh, probably one of my longer ones because there's a lot to go with with like someone like you. And I'm a gambler. I'm, well, no, it's not that. It's just like I, I, being a hitter, I love the pitching side. And I like people that are willing to talk about what, you know, the execution part, the nuances of the game, what they – I feel like that's a huge part. It's not an easy thing. It's not pitching, hitting whatever you know part of the game. It's not easy, and and the way you break it down lets everyone know. I feel like in, in general, there's a lot to this, and there's a lot in building a pitcher. I, well, I agree, and I would say be careful when you watch the pundits because you know we all, myself included. If I talk like I talk about pitching, I, I do make it sound easy sometimes. Mm -mm. And I'll tell the pitchers, hey, listen, I know I'm making it sound easier than it is. This is really hard. And then you get onto a TV show. And then someone's saying, well, this is so-and-so in 2017, and this is him in 2019. Here's the big differences. So those might have been intentional differences. Mm -hmm. You know, the earlier version isn't always the best version. And I think we, we can all play that role where we can fix everybody's swing and everybody's mechanics and make them all great. It doesn't, it's not that easy. So anybody that's played and played at an elite level understand how difficult. And all of us that didn't understand, you, you have a real understanding of how hard this game is to play. So you have to appreciate those guys that can do it well over a long period of time because it is so hard to play this game. Well, I know us broadcasters, and I know the pitchers are going to appreciate you, and uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks, Kevin. I enjoyed it. Thanks. That was your pitching coach, Brian Price, and he is phenomenal. You could learn a lot from him. Just listen to him. He's willing to talk about it. Um, I think that's the important part is being able to talk about it, be able to teach it, and he could do all of it. And I think, uh, yeah, I said it at the end. We're going to be able to learn. We're going to appreciate what he brings to the table. Well, it's another episode of Pine Talk for Breakfast. Stay tuned as we're going to have so many more this whole spring training. Next one, hopefully on Sunday. And Reese Hoskins. How about that for you? I hope you enjoyed it. 
another pine tar for breakfast. Peace! It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.